You're listening to Consciously Crude. Unapologetic truths the collective is ready for. Granting permission for the incognito spiritual badass to dive deeper into the magic of their universe. Come out of the spiritual closet. Awaken your courageous heart. Step deeper into your divine power. These are the quantum upgrades your matrix is ready for. Let's dive deep. Welcome back to Consciously Crude. This is Amanda Rasam and Jasmine Moore, and we are on episode six. And today we are here to talk chakras with you. So let's talk chakras, Jazz. <laughs> yeah. What the heck is a chakra? This is a question I get often. Yeah. Perhaps what? you can, I always thought it was chakra, but maybe it doesn't matter. So no, it doesn't matter. I mean, tomato, <laughs> tomato, but I've been like told by um, people with Sanskrit backgrounds that the proper pronunciation is the harder ch- ch- chakra, gotcha. not, a sh- not a shock. A ch- chakra. Mm, okay, perfect. Yes. You've been told. So, so now I've been told. And, and I, there are some people who are passionate about that. You know, there's people that are very passionate about the proper pronunciation and um, you could potentially offend someone if you're not saying it right. <laughs> I say right. like whatever is resonating with you, let's just go with that. Tomato, tomato. Yes. So chakra, <laughs> if we define it, um, it is a Sanskrit word that means wheel or disc. Mm-hmm. And essentially what a chakra is, is an energy center that extends from the basal nerve ganglia of your spinal column. (laughs) So it is an energetic uh, force, if you will, that interfaces the physical body through our uh, endocrine system and our, in the different glands that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very interesting because although we don't um, emphasize the chakra system in our Western medicine culture, um, we're probably one of the only places that doesn't, right? Over in the Eastern medicine world, chakra systems are very much associated with the physical body. Um, the development of the physical body and the health and the well-being of the physical body. So I think that's what we're going to talk about today as we explore each energy center. Yeah, absolutely. And um, from what I've also, the way that I was able to go from my like sciencey and very like analytical thinking mind to understanding these energy centers, um, it was the recognition and understanding that even like in the physical body, there are huge neural networks of nerves and nerve bundles that meet in certain places in the body at, like, as you said, in the endocrine system. So where we have our hormones uh, that they typically are, are released. And so um, whether or not we are someone who like prescribes more to like the woo woo stuff, or whether you're someone who's very analytical and science based, there is a lot of crossover and overlap between Western and Eastern medicine in this respect. So hopefully we can help some listeners today get a little bit more knowledge about the chakras. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And um, we're here to provide knowledge and not to uh, prove to you that the chakras exist because, I mean, I'm over that conversation. I'm (laughs) over the conversation of, but are these things real? And like, is this energy real? Like, 
yes, absolutely it, it is. And those that have a practice and have a sacred respect for their bodies and for their beings have connected to this energy and can tell you that very much that it is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that maybe you as an individual right now in your current state can't access that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Right. 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 So true. Yeah. So what are like, how many chakras are there? Because I've heard that there's seven. I've heard that there's more. What's your take? So there's plenty. We, I, I don't even know if we really can identify with all of them because we have chakras of our physical body. We have chakras of our emotional body. We have chakras of our, the earth. Um, mm. And so, and then there's all these other smaller minor chakras that help us interact with our, our guides and our spiritual gifts. Um, so I think that it, for simplicity's sake, we can stick to the seven main chakras for this conversation, but to know that we're not limited to just those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've heard that there's like, you know, um, your upper, your upper fourth chakra, which is like right between your collarbones. Like, you know, it's an extension of your heart. heart. Right. And then there's like your eighth chakra, which is like above your head. And I feel like there's just so many, it's like you, as you dive deeper into this world of energy, it's like, one person's perspective is going to be like, oh no, that's not how it works. And then someone else comes in and like, well, no, it's more about this. And you kind of get all these different blended perspectives of what energy is. Mm. So, um, yeah, perhaps let's start from the ground up. So like what would be the most typical uh, first chakra being the root chakra? Perhaps you can yeah. talk a bit about, I know that you're, you do sound healing and I love the way that you describe these chakras, these chakras with mm. your sound. <laughs> So the sound aspect I learned all through Amber. Cool. She's she's the sound girl, right? <laughs> so um, we can let's actually save the sounds, and you and I will tone together quickly at the Ooh. end for everybody. I love that. How, okay. How about that? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Stay tuned for some for some sound yeah. toning. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll finish with a toning. Um, but yeah, root chakra. So. I love talking about the root chakra first because it's also associated with our growth and development of our physiology, right? Mm-hmm. And so our root chakra, and, and it, it's cool to note that each chakra develops on its own time. Okay. And so the root chakra is the first one to develop and it starts in utero. Cool. So this energy center is the only energy center that starts developing when you're still in your mother's womb. Um, and, and it lasts until about six months mm-hmm. and it rules over the physical body. So if we think about a baby, it's only really caring about what's going on here, right? It's exploring its physical body. It's getting, it's like, Oh shit, I got a hand. Yeah. Oh, fuck, <laughs> there's toes down there. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's what this energy is ruling over. And at that time in our life, that's what we care about is our physical body. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and then as, you know, the present being that we are here, tuning into that presence of our bodies of being like, bring your attention to your feet, bring your attention to your hands, bring your mm. attention to your seat, like how it grounds us and brings us back into that very rooted experience. Yeah, because the main issue around the energy of that root chakra is survival. Mm-hmm. Right? So it wants to feel safe. 
It wants to feel grounded. It wants to feel uh, stable. And so, you know, when we are doing those grounding practices and we're bringing that energy down and we're focusing down, that feels really nice for the energy of the root chakra. Mm -hmm. And it says, okay, our issue of survival, it's taken care of. We're, we're, we're not even surviving anymore. We're thriving. We're in this relaxed state of being. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, but not all of us are there. No. Um, a lot of us are, are stressed out and not in connection with our physical body. Right. So I, I want you to touch on that in your experience with any clients or oh, gotcha. even yourself. Yeah, I found that um, even as we, so as we're talking about the chakras, I, I often um, think back to a very like Western, Western theory around Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And how there's like the base of the, of the hierarchy is like, you must have your most basic survival needs met. Like you have to have mm. like shelter, roof over your head, warmth, uh, you know, to be, to feel safe. Um, you know, ensuring that those, those very, very basic needs are met so that you can go up the hierarchy of, of needs. So mm. if your most basic need of safety is not met, like you sure as hell aren't going to be fixed, like, you know, fixated on like, how, how can I open my heart? And like, right. how can I like be more like in tune with the connected universe? And how can I be more open-minded to that opinion that I have conflict with? Like your body right. is viscerally like nothing is safe, like meh, like not happening. Um, right. And so from like a, a central nervous system perspective, from like a very visceral cellular perspective, your body is already in, in fight, flight, freeze, and et cetera. So, right. um, so, so powerful and important that when we're working with our own bodies and when I'm working with students, that we're practicing that presence of, of coming home to our bodies and really discovering that safety in ourselves. If you don't feel safe to be yourself, mm. you don't feel safe to feel what you need to feel mm. um, in your body, no matter what it is, whether it's good or quote unquote bad or not good. Mm. it will feel very ungrounding. It will feel very unsafe. And safety isn't just about the physical. Um, right. Yeah. And I think it's important to touch on what the difference between feeling safe in your environment based in love and feeling safe in your environment based in fear. Mm. I think a lot of the time in our modern society, we put up these safety measures around us, extra security in our homes, extra insurance, this and that, all these external falsehoods that Agreed. make us feel safe. Mm -hmm. But that's not what our soul is looking for, right? Our soul doesn't give a fuck if we have a million dollars insurance on our life. Like, right. what does that mean? Right. And so, you know, uh, when we're talking about safety here, we mean really how can your soul embody your physical being and be able and willing to express that to the world? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's such an interesting concept, especially now, because I've had some talks with a couple of very um, grounded people um, and their perspective uh, and one which I share is that, you know, we'd like to think in this physical human body that we have control. Mm -hmm. We'd like to think that we have um, 
our, our conceived safety. Like we're like, oh yeah, if I like do all the things that I, on this list, you know, in our minds, then I will protect myself. I'll be safe. But in nature, there is no such thing, Mm. right? It's not like the deer is in the, is in the field going, well, I don't see any lions, (laughs) so I must be safe today. It's like that deer could get like hit by an oncoming car on a highway. Mm. Like it doesn't, Mm. you know, it doesn't matter what the deer's perspective is of its own safety. Um, Mm. And yet in nature, what's interesting is that that deer can be chased by a lion or, you know, come into a close encounter with like some oncoming traffic. And it doesn't necessarily hold on to that fear in the same way that the human mind does. Mm. Like if a tiger or like a lion attacks, like I'm thinking like in the African savanna, like this, you know, lion attacks uh, an antelope and let's say the antelope gets away, like within like 10 minutes, it's like back to grazing in the field. Like it's not like looking over its shoulder, wondering like when the next lion is coming. It just, its own intuitive body knows like I'm, I'm safe again, but it's not holding on to that either. So it's very interesting and perplexing as human beings that we have this frontal cortex that thinks and can predict the future, unlike an animal can. (laughs) And so because we have this like learning, planning and like mapping of the future, we can get so caught up in what we believe to be, uh, what helps us survive, which is like the more certainty I have, Mm. the more, um, that I can memorize and predict the past Mm. in my future, the safer I'll be. Well, Mm. this is a complete motherfucking illusion and all you're doing is creating it again and again and again. So it's about the, the root chakra is really about connecting to that feeling of safety that you know is in some ways like a complete illusion yet you're making the choice you're it's ultimately a choice that you're feeling safe um, right because you can be you can be like you know the the safest person on the planet like locked in a panic room with all the things you need in the world and still feel like something's out to get you it doesn't right. matter right. so this is the uh i think this is a major problem that a lot of people are facing right now and i'd love yeah. to know your perspective on it jazz Yeah. So one thing to go back to your antelope analogy, (laughs) the difference, the difference when the antelope finishes being chased by the lion and we finish being chased by the metaphorical lion, Mm -hmm. the antelope knows instinctually to spend 30 seconds shaking its body out, releasing the energy of the emotion of fear which is the demon of the root chakra mm. so that it doesn't hold on to it. Mm. We don't do that. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't ca- be caught dead expressing ourselves like that mm. in society's eye. Right. Hopefully Moving someday. On. Right. Oh man. I would live for a day where we were just like all out in the world and you know, something happened to one person and we'd be like, just like go for a crazy <laughs> shit and think twice. You'd be like, Oh, that person is releasing some fear. Yeah. Like, yeah. Awesome. yeah. We're adding to that collective healing, you know? Oh my God. I absolutely love that. And just because you said that, I hope that we're together when that happens and we can high five and be like, yep, that just happened. Jazz. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you and I have both done powerful dynamic meditations where shaking's involved and oh, afterwards you feel a thousand pounds lighter, right? Yeah. 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 And it's always very interesting to see what fears we hold without even knowing. 
Yeah. You know? So like I can be sitting here right now feeling perfectly great um, and be like, nope, I don't, I don't have any fear at all. I feel great. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. consciously, consciously, mm-hmm. I don't feel any fear. And the unconscious mind can hold on to emotion that has not been expressed or that has not been experienced. So if let's say you were uh, a young kid and you witnessed something that that you were fearful of and maybe your parents were like, oh, it's okay. Like, you know, you're overreacting and they they ultimately neglected your experience or asked you to neglect your own experience. It's like at that point, like what happens to that emotion? Just stuff down there. Um, well, I think that's a beautiful segue into the emotional body of the second chakra. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that really starts to develop between six months and two years of age. So that young child who, you know, all all they can can communicate with is through their emotions. That's all they care about. They're, they're, they're crying. They're expressing themselves when they're sad. They're expressing themselves when they're happy. You you never have like a baby who's just zoning out. Like Mm -hmm. that's not a thing. They're, They're in their emotional body and really developing that. And, um, you know, especially as the, this is true for the root chakra and second, the, the sacral chakra, as these are developed and we are in that very theta state that we talked about during our unconscious versus conscious mind episode, mm-hmm. we are absorbing all that is surrounding us. And a lot of us you know, I, this is true from my journey, are recognizing that we are extremely sensitive, powerful, intuitive empaths. And yeah. so if we are this way now, we were that way then. Yeah. And to recognize that at this time in our life, we're all so connected to the people that are around us and we're taking on the energies of those that are around us, especially if that person is not in a place of emotional intelligence and isn't able to manage their own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's a really, I, I feel really passionate about that. This is a huge block for a majority of us with huge gifts yeah. Um, powerful metaphysical gifts, um, this weight that we've held onto from our childhood just because of the way that our world exists and operates. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Any thoughts on that? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I even think about how, um, even as you're talking about how this is developed between uh, six months of age to two years old. The first thing that came to mind is how people refer to age two as the terrible twos and Mm. what kind of message that sends um, to an entire collective around, Oh, your emotions are just too much. Please don't show them. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be around them. It's like, it creates this, um, this neglect and this um, lack of acceptance around what is it? like, and you know, you see children that act out and it's like, what do we say? We go, ah, that parent needs to get a handle on their kid and learn how to parent better. And it's like, it's like, control, we, control, control, yeah, control your, your, your child. When really it's mm-hmm. like the parent that is like, actually, I'm just going to allow my child to be is, mm-hmm. is rejected and is criticized by society as someone who isn't doing a good job in controlling. And it's like, that's not, to me, I think that that's a massive problem with parenting is that 
when we use our children as a way to express our own needs for control by minimizing their experiences and re- repeating right. our own past patterns from childhood. Right. So um, when it comes to uh, a child's expression, and I think about the way that children um, with, the, with the sacral chakra being um, also known as the sex chakra, how mm. it's so associated to our creativity to like literally sex is in creating life. So mm-hmm. even if children can't create life, they are, they are life. They're an expression of complete theta unconscious life force. And mm. so children are explorative. They're touching their bodies. They're touching other people's bodies. They're, mm. they're testing boundaries. And um, I think it's so interesting to see how we respond to that with children, how mm. we can tend to be very, we can project our own shame onto them when really they're doing nothing but experiencing themselves. And mm. we create this, this hierarchy of like, again, control and power around like, well, it's inappropriate for a child to be sexual. It's inappropriate for them to do that. Like that's, we have to teach them to close their legs and not touch their bodies. And, you right. know, and which I think is just, bananas. Like, I think it's crazy to do that. Um, so I also look forward to a day where it's like, and and I'm still deciding like what that looks like, that kind of relationship with, um, children and their sexuality in a way that's still, um, offering like, uh, boundaries where it's not just like the parent is like injecting themselves in their child's like exploration, but it's like, how can we allow that to be appropriate and yet also, abolish all the shame around it in, in, in the same, in the same swipe. So yeah, yeah, I think the sex chakra is so interesting. Yeah. And I think that you and I both work with some very powerful women who have held themselves back or, or, or not fully stepped into their power because, and correct me if I'm wrong here, the main emotion that arises is guilt. Mm. right a lot of people feel guilty and and what guilt means to me is that either we've legitimately done something wrong but that's usually not the case or we're putting another person's needs as as priority over our own mm-hmm. and guilt is the demon of the sex chakra where we're not allowing ourselves to really access those emotional needs, right? We just try to shove our emotions down and, and use our coping mechanisms and not allow them to really um, teach us what, what they're here to share. And let's even take a moment to acknowledge as well, like what one of the major um, challenges that our, our modern society faces, which is like with, let's say like a porn addiction. Okay. So where, where, you know, the masculine is like, needing that constant stimulation of the sex chakra. And then for women, the opposite of the, of that is that there's almost a closed off or an experience yeah. of, of, of blocking the yoni and blocking the power of expression because it's like, how dare she have her own expression? How dare she be her own, um, have her own experience of pleasure. So I find it so, right. so fascinating to see that, that interplay. Yeah. Yeah, it's important to remember that each chakra can show up as an imbalance as both excessive and efficient. Totally. So, you know, if we go back to the root chakra, someone who is very obese and someone who is anorexic both have root chakra issues just in a different way. Hmm. And it, it's to understand that 
there's no protocols to working with your chakra. It's very much an experiment and an experience that you feel into. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I just thought that that was important to note. I love that. I'm glad you did note that. Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) So let's continue talking about those terrible twos because now we get into the power, the solar chakra, which is from two to four. Mm-hmm. And this is really where those two, those terrible twos come out because the um, priority of the third chakra is our ego identity. Mm. So it's our self definition. And even though I think the ego gets a bad rap a lot of the times in the spiritual community, the ego's powerful, man. Like you need yeah. to understand and, and be friends and love that ego. Yeah. Um, and you had said it like when that child is running amok and acting buck wild and they're like, Oh, those terrible twos. Like that's when that expression is being born. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the solar plexus from what I understand is so, um, so tied to our self-esteem, our self-worth, yep. our confidence, and um, it is our relationship. I've, I've always, uh, for me anyways, I've always really connected to my solar plexus in terms of my ability to like digest life's challenges. So mm. like it sits like right at like, you know, just underneath the ribs between like the belly button and it's very... Um, like when you think of someone who's really confident, like they can like, like just, they, they have no problem. Like have you ever seen like a child's confidence where they're just like bellies out and they're just like, whatever, like, like you know, they're it's just like that superhero stance, superhero yeah. stance. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, versus someone who's super not confident. They tend to have a more rounded posture. They're protecting, they're protecting their vital organs. And yeah. um, I think that there can be a lot of, um, there's, I guess, different ways that people connect to their bodies. And I totally appreciate that. Some people connect to their gut. Some people connect to, you know, their heart. Some connect to their yoni and, or their, you know, their genitals. So it's like, um, I think that when we are really disconnected from our power, it shows up as, you know, a lot of, well, varying challenges because it's right in the center of the body. So there's lots happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I would love to hear from you as well. Like, what is your experience been with solar plexus? Yeah, I I think I just want to mention, like you had said, everyone connects to the body differently. I think that's true. But also remembering that we all have the ability to connect to all parts of our body. And it's just with practice. And I even now having a meditation practice for more than five years, like I still go into meditation and like relax deeper and deeper. And I'm like, Oh, shit, I didn't even know I could relax that deep. Or I didn't even know I could connect with that inner corner of my left kidney in the way that I just did, right? Like Uh you you can explore your body in very deep levels. It's just about practicing that. Yeah. Um, But for solar, for me, I don't know. I've had an interesting relationship with my solar. I feel like I've always been sort of in my power and embodied the time where I feel the most disconnected is actually when I am in long-term relationships. Interesting. Yeah. It's one of those times where I have recognized where I start to give away my power. I think that that's such an interesting, an interesting thought. And the reason being is that I think that we can 
be blind to the ways that we give away our power. Mm-hmm. That we can give away our power actually quite easily if we want mm-hmm. to. Um, and that it's a constant practice. It's again, because it's the ego, it's like, not like you master the ego and you're like, okay, onto the heart. Like, you know, you, (laughs) the ego is always there. So, um, and it's always asking to be like groomed and nurtured and, and taken care of and befriended. So I find that, um, as we deepen into our journey of who we are and, and how we relate to this world, um, there are new opportunities to check in with ourselves about where we give away our power. Mm-hmm. And I think that what, for a lot of people, the solar plexus, like I know that, um, I know for, uh, you know, again, we're talking about like those extremes, right? So someone who's like, let's say on one end where they're like, they're, they're hyper, like their solar plexus are, is hyperactive and they have like such dominating. a dominating. Yeah. Like such a huge ego. And they're just like, yeah. I don't care. It's all about me. And then there's the mm. person that's like afraid to even have like their own hands on their belly because it, it's too sensitive. Like they just want to cry because right. it's like right. body's just like, please like be kind to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think that there's a lot that we can learn from. And I think that um, a great way that I love to like charge up my solar plexus is to like lie in the sun and like be like, soak up the sunshine. Like it feels so nice to receive yeah. that to my body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the element there is the fire, right? And it, they, a lot of people refer to it as that inner sun. So that's cool. All right. So moving from the bottom three chakras now, I think it's important to let the viewers know that these three bottom chakras are very much all associated with the physical body and the physical, physical experience. That's right. Um, And the top three chakras we'll get into that are very much associated with more of the metaphysical energy. Yes. And we have this beautiful spot in between both energies uh, and it's our heart, the center of our being. Mm-hmm. the connector of worlds <laughs> yeah um the heart is developed by but between the ages of four and six and i think it, anybody who's had children can really appreciate that this age is such a loving age right everyone wants to snuggle and give kisses and hold hands and so mm-hmm. this is a really beautiful age to come into that heart chakra mm-hmm so amazing. Um, my parents got divorced at the age of four. Mm-hmm. And so my heart chakra has been one um, of, of um, a journey and an experience and a beautiful ride of learning how to come home to myself again and again and again. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want you to talk to me about <laughs> your heart chakra. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So so funny. My heart chakra, when I learned that the heart chakra is that connection between the physical and metaphysical, I had a profound experience where I literally experienced just how powerful the energy of my heart is. And that because of this beautiful portal um, that connects us, it is with our like life's intentions and our deepest core purpose, when we tap into the heart, it is telling us what is out there for us, like, you know, theoretically out there in terms of up in the ethers and up in the universe in the metaphysical and what we want to bring into the physical. 
And when we, like, when we think about, let's say somebody who has all these ideas or like, I got to make money. I got to do this. Like, this is my future. I have a plan. And like, they're so in their head, but it's not connected to their heart. Mm. There's always that like struggle in their physical life. It's like things are blowing up everywhere because they're not like, the heart is such a powerful channel of what is really true for us. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's such a fear for so many people to really um, be in their heart because there's been heartbreak or there's been the experiencing of really, really deep emotions where mm. when they go into their heart, like I know for me, my heart is very open. Um, and I, I, when I'm really, really in my heart, like there is some deep shamanic um, downloads that come through. Mm. And sometimes to the point where I, like my mind is like, what? Like, I don't know. That's what we wanted. Like, that's so weird. Like, Mm. I'm like, I haven't Mm. thought about that ever. And now here it shows up. Um, Mm. And I think that there for a long time for me was so much fear around opening my heart because of what was in there. There was calling, there was purpose. There was so much coming through from my heart um, that my mind was afraid of or that my mind couldn't wrap its head around. Um, and that, you know, I, but then in denying that my physical body was always begging me to like tap into my heart. So Mm. I find the heart chakra is, I mean, I don't think we're supposed to have a favorite, but I do love my heart chakra (laughs) so much. Um, I think in numerology as well, I'm, I'm like, my numerology is a six, which apparently is associated with the heart. And I'm like, well, that makes a whole lot of sense. And my name means worthy of love. So, I mean, Mm. So much about my life that is de- devoted and dedicated to love, and yeah. I find that when it comes to um, my why and who I am and what I do, like everything is centered around like freedom and 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 love and and such an expansive energy. And this is the center of our body that is like such an expansive portal of energy. So, yes. Um, yes. And I think about too even where our world is at and how right now there is such a focus on the area of the heart and lungs mm. and, and what that could mean for people in their own journeys. I'm curious if you want to touch on that jazz. Mm, yeah. So I think that like we all have our own stuff, if you will, our own journeys. Um, but we also have a collective journey all together, right? As a human race, um, we are all connected energetically, um, through the quantum field Mm -hmm. and so when one person you know experiences a loving heartfelt connection every that's going to allow the vibration of the collective and the planet to elevate and we can feel when we're in a room filled with heart-centered beings versus when we're in a room filled with people that are stuck in their minds right we we can feel that absolutely so i think that collectively we have been called to answer our heart's calling for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And I think you're a beautiful example of stepping into that calling, right? Thanks. <laughs> well, <laughs> you are. And I am too. I am yes. too. Yes, and, you are. Um, I think that for me, because of my experience and my journey, um, it's taken me a lot to fully answer what's in that heart. I don't think I have fully tapped into all that is there. I don't think I have fully allowed myself to yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. I'm patient with myself on my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, 
as I start to, it's scary. Um, it's scary because it's so fucking powerful what's actually there. And when I really tap into the essence of it and what I can offer the world and bring to the world, it's not an easy task because my conditioning tells me otherwise. Hmm. And I think that this is true for majority of us. What is in your heart and what you think would feel so good in your life and bring you so much joy is looked down upon maybe by society or maybe just with your own limiting beliefs and your own conditioning or maybe that of your family. But I don't think that even half of us on this earth are connected to that heart space. Hmm. I think that majority of us are not in our day-to-day realities. We spend so much time you know, commuting work to spend eight hours in a cubicle and then commute home to a family that we're disconnected from. Like there's no spark of that heart anymore in majority of our lives and our day-to-day norms. And, you know, we're always looking for that weekend or that vacation, that joy, that bliss. But like, guys, this is what life is for. It's, it's not for just like some time in the future. Mm-hmm. It's for right now. And, and, when you allow yourself to experience that right now, that's when you're allowing your heart chakra to open and, and to shine its light, right? Yeah. And like through forgiveness and gratitude and yeah. all the things that uh, I think in this life, like like you said, it's like, it, I believe that we are here to love each other, that we're here mm-hmm. to, and for many other reasons too, like there's many other purposes for our existence. Um, but you'll hear so many energetic teachers and and spiritual teachers talk about how the one true vibration is love Mm -hmm. because at our core, at our, um, at our essence, we are this loving light being. And I think there's a process of remembering that through our lives that we get to get, have the joy of discovering is that, Oh my gosh, I'm not all the labels that I've ever created for myself. I'm not all the identities. I'm not all the decisions I've made. Right. I just am. I just am this vibration of love. And um that's scary. It can be very scary because you're mm-hmm. you're you're de-identifying with literally everything except right. for the essence of who you are, which is always kindness and compassion and love. Yes. Um so yeah, I I would see you were talking about how the root chakra, the 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 shadow is fear the shadow emotion of the sex chakra is guilt. guilt. The, sh- the shadow emotion of the uh, solar plexus is ego. Shame. Shame. Okay. And then what is the shadow emotion of the heart? Grief. Grief. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So like not just grieving, you know, the ones that you have loved in your life, but also grieving your past self. You know, we oh, yeah. are the only constant we have is change. And I think that grief is the demon of that heart chakra is we, we don't allow that to naturally occur. We hold on to our identity and then we don't allow that natural constant of change to continue to evolve and for us to evolve with it. And so we do grief builds up and builds up and we're trying to like identify and identify. And it's, 
you know, allowing yourself to just let all that go mm-hmm. and, and just breathe and what's there. And, you know, the, the, the scary part is, is there's a lot there for a lot of us because we are hardwired for connection. And this is what we desire deeply. And we've been conditioned to think otherwise. And so there's a lot of stuffing that's happened in that heart. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and again, this is why coronavirus is happening an an infection of that lung and that heart chakra. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's here in this location for a reason. Yeah. Um, and so it is time to allow ourselves to love and be loved just for what's there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And what's cool about the first three chakras we talked about, these physical chakras, it's kind of like if you, th- if you think about the physical world versus the mm-hmm. metaphysical world, mm-hmm. the metaphysical world is infinite in the sense that I can just sit, I can sit cross-legged meditating and like there is no shortage of thoughts that are going to swim through my mind. It is abundant. It is infinite. It expands forever. You don't hit the bottom of your mind and go, oh, that's where that ends. Okay, good. Better <laughs> go back. Like you right. are inwardly expanding at the same rate that the universe is outwardly expanding mm. because we are a reflection of that consciousness. So as mm. our human race, as our collective expands, um, there's a, there is a, whether, whether you like it or not, like there is a, need for us to move out of the purely physical and into the metaphysical. Yes. And so that, that finite reality, the physical reality will take longer to shift. However, when we're operating, like I'm, I just am so jazzed and excited about the days where we're all operating from like our throat chakras and our third eyes. Like, are you kidding me? Oh my God. Like just prepare, like just wait, earth is about to get lit. Like we are about to move from a very finite physical way of being to an entire society of people who are, have moved through their heart. And let's talk about what that looks like, the throat chakra and what that, what that's. I got to pause you. I got to pause you. I got one more thing to say about that heart chakra before we move on. And it has to do with this metaphysical world and why this heart chakra is so powerful. And I've learned this recently and I've been practicing this probably for like the last six months now. And it's been amazing. Um, A mentor of mine, Tristan Brin, he taught me this and showed me this. He calls himself a galactic shaman. You got to meet this man. He's amazing. (laughs) I'm so Um, excited. (laughs) So this is a secret I'm going to share with you all. Um, We've all heard of the idea of multidimensional traveling. Mm -hmm. And And maybe we all haven't, but we're about to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Fair, I assumed. So the concept of multidimensional traveling is very possible and the all the go, the doors and the gateways to those multiple dimensions exist in your heart space. Hmm. So when you learn how to meditate and drop your energy of your crown and your third eye and your throat, your metaphysical energy into your heart space, mm-hmm. you can explore that within you and access the different dimensions from there. That is so and cool. When you do this from your heart space, you're in that vibration of love. You are protected. You are safe. 
and it's all truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is like the ultimate, and like that's the ultimate safety. Yes. I, I think about like there was something that came to me in meditation where I said, he, I, I don't remember if we talked about this already, but I said, you know, he who is free, who's fearless to experience all emotions. Mm. And I believe that when we are unafraid to be in our heart and feel whatever is there, because once we're in it, it'll pass. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then you can, you can be in that space, like as a pure free being of light. Cause you can be like, yo, like I'm good. Like this is, mm -hmm. <laughs> this is not real. Like all of this is just illusions trying to distract me from what's real, which is love. Um, right. And I think that until someone has had that experience viscerally for themselves, you and I can explain it, but it will not land until right. they have that pure experience for themselves. Um, yeah. And I've had it more than once. And because I've been there, I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is my truth. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, it's like I leaped timelines. Like I went from one universe to a different multiverse of like, oh my God, Amanda the shaman who like can live here and she's good. And I'm like, oh, this feels so good over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Amazing. Okay. I had to say that. <laughs> yes. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. All right. So moving on to the, the fifth chakra, our throat. Yes. yes our With, throat. Do you want to guess what the demon is? Ooh. Mm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Are you saying demon or demon? I'm not trying to put a D at the end. Okay. <laughs> I was just wondering. I was like, am I imagining something? Okay. Uh, I do have a speech impediment. I don't know if you know that about me. Well, you're doing great by expressing okay. yourself on this podcast and assisting your throat chakra. And let's not create a narrative for that story. All right. <laughs> All right. So what is the demon of the throat chakra? What is the shadow? Lies. Oh, mm -hmm. and so these lies, though, let's think about this mm -hmm. uh, in terms of our heart, right? So we can tell lies to other people in order to, you know, keep ourselves safe and protected. But we can also tell others what they want to hear to appease them, appease yeah. the environment, and dishonor what's in that heart, and really lie to yourself. And so I think that that's where the lying comes in here. Mm -hmm. It's not really like the lying that you're doing to others. I mean, that's a, a, a factor, but it's really how much are you being honest with yourself? Yeah. I had a friend once say to me, you can lie to everyone else, but you can't lie to yourself. Mm. Um, and I mean, certainly I would not advise anyone to lie to everyone else. The, the point is that, you know, no matter whether you are, um, no matter how much you ever attempt to convince yourself, your heart knows the truth. Yeah. And so I find it very interesting as well when there is that connection between what our heart wants and what we want to say or what we want to do and feeling as though we don't have that choice. Um, so very interesting that we're yeah. told to wear masks right now. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, so, I mean, I find it very, there's, and the reason why I bring that up is that what we do and what we say has a profound effect on our reality. Profound. Absolutely. Um, I remember once, you know, like those like chokers that, that women wear around their necks. 
I wore one of those for about 30 seconds once and thought, screw this noise. I fucking hate this because I felt mm. like, I mean, and me and you, we're, we're on this podcast for a reason. We're clearly very expressive people. That alone, just having that light touch around my neck. Ah. Like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my mind. Like I can't do it. I need to express. And so mm. I think especially now our expression is such a powerful tool that we must be tapping into, that we must be sharing our truth. And what's interesting is that we can feel, uh, we can tend to feel like we should not share our truth because, you know, people might reject it. And if our truth is coming from our heart, what we know to be true, what we know in the infinite possibility, the realm of infinite possibility, um, and we share that truth and it's rejected, it's essentially we're feeling like we're being rejected in our hearts as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting to note that the throat, the development of the throat is seven to 12. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when we start doing more public speaking and whatnot in our school years, right? Mm -hmm. Like what grade are you in seven to 12? I don't even know. Like Uh, when you're, when you're 12 years old, you're about in grade six. Yeah. So like you're public speaking by then. Yeah. I did my Um, first public speech in that age too. And it was horrible. (laughs) I was going to say the same thing. I remember being horrified to step into that. Right. Yeah. And, um, I've never had an issue with speaking my mind or like speaking my voice. But when I learned about the throat chakra and its blockages, I was quite intrigued to understand that the throat blockage shows up in two different ways. It shows up as like quieting, silencing your voice, like not saying shit. Mm -hmm. Also shows up as an overexpression, feeling like explain yourself, get your your point across, like have everyone hear you. Yeah. Uh, and I think I was very much in that at some point in my life. Like I was like overly dominant with that throat energy, right? Mm. Um, and it's been a practice of really recognizing when my message and my truth isn't welcome mm-hmm. and being okay with that. There is Absolutely. a lot of people in this world and you know your earth families are a, a good test to this <laughs> your, of, earth families. Um, your earth families <laughs> um of you know like honoring that yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. and another thing that i find quite interesting about the throat chakra i really i really appreciate the way that as well you're showing where on the like the different extremes of that because i think that so often we can justify ourselves and assume that it's actually helping us and it can actually be to our detriment. Mm. Um, So one thing that I find quite interesting about the throat chakra is that it is so connected to your yoni, to your pelvic floor. Yeah. Tell us more. If you look at the anatomy of the pelvic floor and the anatomy of like the larynx and the thymus and everything that's happening in your um, throat, there is a tremendous uh, physical similarity to these muscle groups. Mm-hmm. And the same way that we have these diaphragms, we have a diaphragm in our throat, we have a diaphragm in our belly, we have a diaphragm as a pelvic floor. When one is blocked, it tends to restrict the others. So um, when we are, um, when we don't feel that we can openly express ourselves, um, and I think about so many of my students when they're in the bedroom and they feel like they can't share what they need with their partner, like their body is closing mm-hmm. off. 
Mm-hmm. Their yoni is closing off because they don't feel free. They don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's quite amazing when we um, allow ourselves to, to go there and how quickly our, our uh, sex chakra, our sacral chakra responds to that. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like the, um, the physical aspect of the sacral is that it is our creative expression, like quite literally physically, like if we think of like making a baby, like there's a physical creation and the connection to our throat is that we are taking what is in our heart and we are, we are bringing it out into the universe as our expression of our creation. Mm-hmm. So the metaphysical creation is we're declaring it, right? If you think about when we say, um, when we talk about like, uh, like we cast a spell, like I'm thinking about casting a spell. It's like, we literally like we're, we're putting it out there, um, and we're declaring it. So I think it's, it's quite profound and quite amazing. Yeah. The power of intention, right? Or yeah. that's spoken or not the, the power of that intention behind those actions and behind those words. Mm-hmm. It's everything. It's Absolutely. everything. Yeah. Cool. So let's move on to the mystical third eye. Yes. <laughs> It's like chocolate. Do you want to, <laughs> yeah. Do you want to guess what the demon is? I feel like it's a either overthinking, like an analysis paralysis, um, or it's a doubt, doubting yourself. Oh, I thought you would get this. Damn. What it's is it? Illusion. Oh, yes. Okay. I can see yeah. that. The illusion of the third eye. So I think when we first start uh, like seeking the spirituality or the new age stuff, the third eye is one that's very enticing for people. Mm-hmm. It's like, Ooh, what is this third eye? I've had like people message me after making like posts about like the third eye and stuff like that and say, well, have you ever met levitated? I'm trying to, I'm trying to levitate. I'm like, <laughs> Girl, unless you're like some monk up in the Himalayas that drive fast all the fucking time, I don't know if that's going to be possible in this lifetime. But like, power <laughs> to you, power to you. Um, you know what? Yeah. If it's in their heart, Jazz, it could very well be. <laughs> it could be real. Yeah, but no, I think that like the third eye gets this more mystical. Um, view from the mainstream or even from like entertainment and cultural viewpoints and it kind of ruins the third eye magic for me a little bit okay it kind of it kind of it's almost like you know when people hype something up for the wrong reasons Mm. it's almost like I find some people get like so caught up with a third eye and it's almost like a bandwagon sort of hopping onto the spiritual realm, just like really connecting with that third eye. And I'm going to travel all these dimensions and levitate and do all this magic. And it's like, yeah, sure. Maybe, but like, it takes a long time to get there. And mm-hmm. I think by only looking at the third eye in that sense, it takes away from that process and stepping onto that path and really understanding your own magic and taking the time to connect with it and feel into what your unique spiritual psychic gifts are. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Well, the way that I interpret that is that I I've seen people who are in the spiritual community 
who tend to have, and maybe, maybe this is not at all related to the third eye, but there's a level of like ego that's in the third eye. It's kind of like, I'm seeking, it's like seeking. It's like when we get to the third eye, it's like, now we've reached enlightenment and, uh, but it's like, for me, what I believe is that there is no separation between our physical and spiritual experience. So if you're looking to experience spirituality, go into your body and be right. in this reality, like be physical, be here. Right. Um, because you can't just live in the clouds. Like I've done that and it's exhausting Yeah. because you feel like you're completely separated from all things ego to the point where you're like so egoless that there's ego in it. Like you're like, right. you're right. like completely detached from this reality, from this body. And I think that there is, um, a lot of truth that can come through the third eye. Um, it needs to be grounded. If it's not grounded, right. it can sound, I, I, I know people personally who like, it can sound completely batshit crazy what they suggest because it's not, it's not delivered to someone in a way that they can relate to it. And so it becomes this like, well, you're not going to understand me because of what I can see and you can't. So mm-hmm. like mm, try again later. Mm. Really. It's like when I'm experiencing some deep profound integration through my third eye, it becomes my practice to really ground into my body again and bring myself back to my reality so that I can share what gifts came through. But if I'm only up there for me, I feel like I'm like, what's the point? Like I may as well just be up there, like just send me off to the next dimension. Um, And so I think that there's a lot about, especially when we are, and I think when we are more grounded I remember I was in Arizona and it was like the energy there. I just, boof, like I grounded down and immediately I was getting all of these intuitive insights through my heart and through my third eye. And it was like, it was profound and immediate. And mm. so I think when we can be really grounded, those messages are waiting to come in and they come in when we're ready. And it, it invites us to stay grounded as well in that. Mm-hmm. Okay. That cleared things up for me. Cause I oh. think that, <laughs> I think I think what I was actually explaining at the beginning was a bit of a projection of my own experience. And because I am naturally a grounded person and in my essence, I am very grounding. And so what I was trying to say, and you said it perfectly is like, you you can't just stay up here and be in the clouds with everything. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to use these gifts here on earth to whatever way that you want uh, to, that you see fit. Um, And in my experience, as I open up my heart and I trust myself, I am in those spaces at the same time. And this is just the nature of the work that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so yeah, it's not to look at the third eye and think that it's only for like up there in the clouds or like these mystical, magical experiences. They can very much be a part of your everyday life as well. Oh yeah. I I remember one of the, um, I mean, some of the symptoms, we were talking a bit about these blockages, but some of the symptoms I used to experience um, a lot, I used to have tons and tons of heart blockages, um, throat blockages where I would get like, you know, I would always be getting sick. I'd always be having like coughs or flus or fevers. Um, And I was always getting uh, headaches and migraines from like looking at a computer screen for too long. Mm. And I attribute it to, oh, it's because I'm looking in front of a computer screen. It's like, okay, but I do that right now and I don't have that same issue. So it was what, what it really was. And I realized this later was that it was my consistent 
um, my own like choice to come to basically disconnect from my own inner knowing my own inner wisdom. So I would get like, a, um, you know how you talk about like clairvoyant, clairaudient, um, clairtransient and clairsentient. clairsentient. That's the one that I believe I am, which is just the knowing. Like it's like, I just claircog. claircognizant is, is clear knowing. Yeah. Okay. So that's the, I know that I have that psychic yep. gift is that like, for yep. me, it's like, boom, like I just know, I don't have to, like yep. I can question, but there are often things where I, I can intuit what I understand. And to, for me to explain to someone, it's almost like trying to explain like, well, I'm Amanda. Like, what do you mean? How, how much more right. can I give you here? Like, it's yep. so obvious to me and yet it's not obvious to everyone else. So yep. what I find quite interesting is that I was blocking that. And I, I say to my students, I'm like, listen to yourself and how often you say to yourself, I don't know. The amount of times that you talk to people and, and they give them their opinion and they go, well, but you know, but I don't know. I don't know. Like, does that make sense? I don't know. It's there. You're consistently by doing that, you're cutting off your, your knowing. connection to your knowing. Yeah. And so when I stopped saying that, and when I started allowing myself to also give myself time and permission to be like, you know, I may not know right now I'm going to know, or I'm not going to know, but I'm giving myself the room to know. And, um, like we can, we can know and we can also not know. And at the same time, um, it can also not make a difference. Like I've also in the reality we're in at this time, there are so many different understandings that have come through. There's all this, you know, quote unquote misinformation. There's all mm -hmm. these different agendas. There's, you know, conspiracies, et cetera. And I had to get really clear with myself around like, well, but like, what's true? And like, what do I actually know to be true? And there came a point where all I knew was just about, like, I'm like, I can't know what's going on with everything. All I can know is who, what I am and who I am. And right. After, you know, there's also a freedom in releasing the need to know, and it allows you to truly see what is really there. You're no longer looking through the filter of illusion of what your, right. your own biases and filters of experience have been. You're, you're, you're allowing yourself to not know, but from a place of empowerment, not from a place of devaluing your own experience. Um, Absolutely. And yeah. I think you touched on it right there is the key of, you know, we talk about the demon being an illusion. It's, the illusion that we place on our own selves of through our conditioning and through those limiting beliefs. Right. And it's when we can break that down where we do see that core truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I believe like you were talking a bit about this too. And I believe that like, we are all, we all have the potential to tap into um, our, our, the fact that we're this divine vessel of information that we have yes. access to all of this divine coding, all this, the matrix, yes. right? And so yes. um, I think for some people, it can be overwhelming to think like, well, what's the purpose if I'm up there? Like, why would I come back down? Like, it's like, well, I'm up here. I have all the answers. Like I'm, mm. my ego is like being stroked so high. Why do I have to come back down? And I think mm. when we can be grounded in our experience with the third eye, we can really share what the consciousness is ready to receive. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's a matter of deciding, like you said, um, with the throat chakra around like, what is it really necessary that I need to say right now? And like, who needs to hear it? 
And then removing the ego around that too, because there's even things right. in some podcasts and I'm like, should I even be saying that right now? Well, this is why we created Consciously Crude because we have the intention of just being honest and being ourselves Yeah, yeah and absolutely. the right people will hear this. So absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Amazing. All right. We have one more to go. Let's do it. So we have the crown chakra, which is our connection to bliss and consciousness, our connection Mm. to the universe, to divinity, to each other, Mm -hmm. um, to God. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm curious, Jazz, how you um, have, what's been your experience with the crown chakra and what do you believe is a major block of the crown chakra? Okay, so the first time I ever experienced my crown chakra for like a physical sensation, I will never forget this. It was day six of my Vipassana sit. Mm -hmm. And I, have you sat in Vipassana? You know what? I've always, I've heard about this and I've, so for those who are listening who don't know what Vipassana is, it's basically like a sacred um, like Shabbat, where you basically take time off to like have no distractions, noise, anything, and you're basically like silent. And <laughs> like, is there anything I'm missing here? Like, it yeah, sounds so <laughs> it's quite it's over. It's it's ten days, but that doesn't include the day that you get there and the day that you arrive, where you are in a vow of silence. Um, you're separated, men and women. You don't eat that much, and you're doing a, at least ten hours of meditation a day. So it's it's over a hundred hours of meditation and there's a specific technique that um, they, they show you day by day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're stripping yourself of all stimulation, external factors, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so day six, I go to lie in bed and I remember closing my eyes And all of a sudden, the crown of my head just started vibrating in a way that I've never felt. Like, it felt like my my scalp was actually moving, like crawling, and things were, like, opening up. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I I didn't, like, I knew what it was because I was aware, but, like, I had never experienced that before. Right. Um, When I came back from Vipassana, um, I messaged my boyfriend Mike and he was excited to see me because we hadn't seen each other for 12 days at this point and it was um Winterlude was going on Mm -hmm. and he said oh I really want to go to Winterlude like do you want to come here and then we'll drive downtown and it'll be really nice to walk around together and I thought oh great that'll be awesome Mm -hmm. and so I go and we drive downtown and I, we're walking downtown and we're at Winterlude and I think I lasted 15 seconds before I felt really, really overstimulated from everyone around me, the collective consciousness, if you will. And I said to him, like, I got to go home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that experience made me recognize how sensitive I was. That was like my first um, knowing of like my sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And what I really believe is that our crown chakra is our portal to our own divine wisdom, but we sometimes forget that and we only care about the wisdom that the rest of the people around us tells us is true. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it blocks us off again from our knowing, from our divine universal knowing. Um, and it's only when we can get really, really quiet with ourselves, within ourselves, and I experienced that during Vipassana, that we can really like physically feel the sensations that are going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So cool. The crown chakra. I had a uh, probably not that same feeling. I did not experience that same feeling, but I did have a really interesting experience when you and I were actually doing a session once mm. and you were, uh, I remember this. yeah. And I was, I was like, is my like hair elastic? Like, is my, is it poking me? Like I could feel like this like sharp, pr- like protrusion in the back of my head, like at the soft spot of my skull where like, you mm. know, you see a baby's soft spot. And I think you're like, no, you're, you're good. And I was like, well, it's on fire. Like I can feel it throbbing right now. So yeah. Yeah, I think there's different ways that are... And least, and it was like, poof. Like, yeah. I remember <laughs> let go of a big breath. Um, yeah. But let's take a guess of the demon here. Ooh. You know Separation? it. Separation? Opposite? Connection? Attachment. Attachment. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I would have thought separation because so many, myself included, so much of my life I separated myself from... From God, I actually only mm. in the past year have been able to start saying God again because I always mm. had these connotations of I was like I'm spiritual, but I don't believe in God. But I believe in the universe, and I believe in everything, and I believe I'm spiritual. <laughs> but, but fuck God, like I couldn't like <laughs> I like couldn't allow that to be um to be true. And right, um, you know, being that we are all God consciousness, or at least I I, I now believe that we are all God consciousness. It's, I see yeah. the humor in that that I'm like. It's a, it's a separation from self. And so I'm interested yeah. to hear how attachment plays into that. Yeah, I think for me, the attachment is, you know, that crown chakra is our spiritual connection. So this is where the spiritual being is so prominent, right? And so as spiritual beings here having a human experience, I think it's really hard for us to have that human experience and not develop an attachment here or there. Mm-hmm. right it's yeah. just part of it and so this is where we need to be like super self-accepting and self-loving because that's what it is mm-hmm. and you know it's not to make yourself wrong for having an attachment here in life because that's okay mm-hmm. um, maybe you might not levitate this lifetime though right so you, gotta, you gotta choose yeah <laughs> so i'm very curious because you know and perhaps we can talk about this on another episode you were talking about how we have all these chakras and then you also, you made reference as well to like the earth having chakras and how it came into my awareness recently that the earth is going through its own chakra um, alignment and ascension. Mm. And so as the collective moves, like the earth Mm -hmm. is also responding. And I get so excited to think about how when we're in this metaphysical space, when we're in our throat, our third eye, our crown, things can really move fast. And I'm talking like lightning fast, like tele- telepathic fast, right? Yep. And Instant manifestations. Literally instant, right? So if we are in a place of instant manifestation and we move through whatever this is right now, through this heart space and into our throat, into our expression, into our truth, 
I am so excited to see what the next 10 years is going to bring because I think that the physical is about to, shit's about to shake. Like we're about to move out of a very physical reality into one that is going to be very metaphysical. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if we look at modern society, if we, if we connect to the energy of modern society and specifically the shadows of modern society, they are the three demon of the upper chakras, lies, illusion, and attachment. Wow. Right? So, so true. As, as we shift those shadows and, and really whether we integrate them or shape shift them, yeah, stuff's going to happen that um, a lot of us for a long time have felt and know, um, and the rest of us are going to have a wild ride. So buckle up. Thanks for tuning into the show this week. We are so grateful for another opportunity to dive deep with you. If you want to connect with us even further, head to our website, www.consciouslycrude.com. There you will find how to get in touch with both of us, upcoming events and workshops, and links to our social media platforms. We always welcome your input, so feel free to comment your questions, make guest suggestions, and let us know what you learned. And it is so, so, so appreciated that you please rate, comment, and share so we can grow this conscious collective platform. With gratitude, Amanda and Jazz.